When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. The music world moves fast. Want to stay up to date on the latest albums and get in-depth examinations with the artists? Check out Consequence of Sound, the podcast. Bite-sized album reviews for the music fan on the go who wants to stay in the know and much more. Subscribe to the series on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider and let the writers of Consequence of Sound steer you right. Check it out at consequenceofsound.net slash podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Wherever you're listening from, please do hit the subscribe button right now so you can keep up with the series. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest is Sinjin Tate of the band Remy Zero. It was uh, this year, 20 years ago, 1998, that they released their sophomore record, Villa Elaine, that spurred the hits Prophecy and Fair. We get to talk about what it was like during that time, everything that was happening. Uh, Fair would end up going to the Garden State soundtrack, and we do get the, uh, the story, his relationship with Zach Braff. And uh, we'll even jump in a little bit out of time to when their song Save Me became the theme song for the uh, television show Smallville. There's also some talk of working with super producer David Bottrell, and uh, they opened up the uh, infamous OK Computer Tour, the Radiohead Tour. So we'll talk about that as well. There's also a touching, heartbreaking, but ultimately uh, hopeful story uh, that Sinjin's gone through lately, uh, battling and beating cancer and at the exact same time becoming a father. It's a story with a happy ending. I do promise you that. Kyle Meredith with Remy Zero. First, I, I should ask, uh, you know, what, what, what have you been up to? It sounds like life is... Life has been busy. It has been quite busy. My, uh, um, you know, our drummer had passed away on um, 
few years back on New Year's, and he was amazing. But that kind of threw us off the loop. And um, I've been just, uh, I've been recording a lot of music, making music. I really just kind of wanted to retreat into a, a different world for a while and kind of, you know, rebuild. And um, But yeah, I have had some health issues, but I've gotten over them now, and I'm doing really good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I really am. You know, we've yeah. been such a big fan of, uh, of of the music that you did with Remy Zero. You know, those those three albums still stand up so well. And, uh, you know, to hear that you're still in the game in whatever way, it's really great to hear. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. That makes me very happy. Yeah. And about that, too, because you had been you'd done some composing. Is that what I read uh, after Remy Zero? Yeah, there's a you know we all kind of went off and did a lot of uh, a lot of different projects and a lot of people are working in different capacities and it's just really great. I mean we're all still friends and it's really really good. Uh, we're all still doing music for TV and movies and stuff and um, but you know we we always every once in a while we'll all come back together and play around and you know it's it's really great. Uh, you said those last shows you know that I, I th- well your drummer passed away and I think you've done some shows around 2010. Uh, if you're still all talking to each other. I mean, I, I think I read at that time you said, and this is the closing statement on the band, but that it's been a few years later. Is that is that still the case? Do you guys still think that was the, the final statement for Remy Zero? I don't. <laughs> no, I, I see I see music happening. And uh, I mean, it's, there's just been so much. I think uh, we really just wanted to make sure we were all coming from the, a similar place. There was no real acrimony or anything. We just wanted to make sure we were coming from a pure place. And it feels really amazing, you know. It feels really good and everybody's really excited. And I really I just have a great time playing with those guys and just being around them anyway. So it's just a joy for me, you know. Well, that that sort of leads us into uh, the, the moment where we hop in the time machine here because I'd reached out to you. Uh, Villa Elaine, you know, turns 20 years old this year. In fact, I think the date just happened a few weeks ago, 1998. What a record that was, too. You know, and and, and as I was saying, it still sounds so great. And I don't know if you thought about it, but, you know, we'll start with the broad strokes. Like, what comes to your mind when you think back to that record in that time? There was a lot going on at that time. It was, we were in a really interesting phase in our band. It's funny to think my my record is not old enough to drink, but very old. <laughs> it's like, a, it's strange to think back that long. Uh, but it, it was amazing. I, you know, one of the things that sticks out a lot for me was when we first started Hermesburg and we were kind of in Atlanta. It was That's the first song on the record. I just remember playing around with this beat in that intro uh, guitar hook that uh, Jeffrey Kane was playing. And it just kind of came together real effortlessly. And it was like a whole new beginning for us. You know, it was really fun. And so little parts of the album stick out for us. And working with David Bottrell was just amazing. He's a really great producer, engineer. I mean, David Bottrell, he had just done Tool's Enema record. Like, I, I think... As far as his discography goes, that's the one right before yours. <laughs> so exactly, like exactly. Yeah, it was, it's, yeah I mean that's that's polar a, opposite. Yeah, that that's a heck of a jump. I, love, I mean, I love Tool, by the way. Yeah, was there any kind of uh, I, I don't know, like like is that one of the reasons why you chose him? Is his versatility with things like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, we loved what he did with that, and we also loved what he had done with Peter Gabriel and the guys at Real World. 
and um, he had worked with a lot of people. And we just and mostly we like to just meet with producers. And once we met with him, he just seemed like he fit in. The coolest, you know, way we decide if we want to work with someone is if 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 we forget they're not a band member. You know, right? We, we like to just feel like we've already he's already part of the band, and we're like, okay. We'll now I, I don't know if his head was shaved back then, but I'm thinking that was a lot of shaved heads at the time in one room. Yeah, yeah, that was a little too many at that point. <laughs> Everyone was getting getting confused for each other. <laughs> Funny, which is great. You know, I could just send him out and do all the singing. I could stay at home. <laughs> so the journey to this record, then, you know, it's it's worth kind of backing up before the actual album because I think that's a big part of the story here. You know, leaving you know Birmingham and 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 that side of the country and and living in Hollywood. Like it seems like a lot of this record is sort of based on that story. Is that right? It is. And um, it's really interesting because a lot of the songs and its whole trajectory was, you know, formulated in Birmingham and Atlanta and uh, Nashville. And it just it, pretty much different songs and different things were being written on our way out. And then once we got to L.A. too, a lot of a uh, large chunk of it was written. My brother had written a lot even in the, in the, the South that had um, like Wither Vulcan and stuff that he had and Goodbye Little World oh, that were amazing. And so it, it for me, at least, it has that. It does feel like a journey record, you know, going from one side to the other of the country. Hearing how your songwriting changed, even between that first record and, and, and Villa Elaine, like, like these songs yeah. seem like they were meant to be heard by bigger audiences. Like, what do you equate that to? Where, where did that come from? That 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 education, the ability, what? I don't know. We were, we were all pretty young at that time, so I, I don't. I, I, a little of both, I think. I, I, it could have been just what we were reading or ingesting or what we were doing at different times. We kind of all grew at the same rate, and we just happened to all kind of synchronize at some point, you know? Well, the album comes out, and, you know, the critics are there. I mean, you guys were stamped with the next big thing. And to come from where you're coming from, I, it, it, was that weighty? Was, that, was there weight on your shoulders? Because that's rarely something that anyone can live up to. Uh, you know, in the end. Yeah, it was, I, uh, I thought it was great. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, it was beautiful because uh, we had come, just a lot of good things were happening uh, at that period. And um, it was just a really good period. It seems like we were evolving and that was at a period in our lives. And I guess everybody has those where you can just see evolution happening before your eyes in real time. You know, it just felt everyone was having a lot of firsts in their lives, you know, and it felt really good. It was really fun. And, you know, a lot of really good things happened. To it. It's interesting. You know, I, I got married and divorced right before the record even came out. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a weird one. Yeah. Everybody that... had their own little experiences and there was a lot of that. There was a lot of these firsts for everyone in that period. You know? Well, it's, it's impossible not to talk about that era without talking about another band that for better and worse, I'm sure that you were constantly associated at the time. You know, you read any review and the name Radiohead is there, <laughs> you know, it's there, but Exactly. Yeah. So, so we can't look at that history without talking about that too. Uh, when you look, when you look back on that now, was did it did it ever feel like a burden? Were you guys okay with that? Yeah, yeah. I love Radiohead, and I still love them. They're great, and um, they're all really great people and cool, and they're really nice. And I, I you know, I never felt this me's the singer. I, I guess you know, everyone had different burdens and you know i guess maybe in retrospect i'm seeing it with um, different glasses but i never had any kind of sense of i mean that's uh, if someone's going to compare me to a band that's cool yeah. i'll take that one yeah because because you end up as the opener for the okay computer tour too i mean you know to have the attention on you all the the critical acclaim 
for this record while also being on one of the biggest tours tied to one of the decade's most important albums. Like, yeah. like what was going on around that time? What was happening on those tours for you all? Uh, it was just amazing. And that's, how, that's what I mean, a lot of great firsts, you know. That, but prior to that album, and we had been steadily growing in L.A. and around, you know, we toured a lot. And it had been really great to experience, you know, playing a place. And this is prior to um, the final, because with Villa Lane, we had our own little studio. So we were always pretty much recording it from coast to coast, you know. And um, it was really cool, old two-inch tape with a Neve board, you know. It was really interesting. And um, it was really uh, amazing to tour and to see all of these great people. And then we'd come back to the same place in the same area, and it would be a bigger show. It would be a bigger, more people. And then you do it again, and you get bigger and bigger. And it just—it was a good period. And then when Villa Lane was recorded and came out, it just all kind of um, synced up at a perfect perfect you know trajectory it was just really nice uh were, were radiohead offering advice any help for you all to kind of navigate these kind of waters no uh they're just uh quit now while you can things like that no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> um no 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 it was they, it was it was fine yeah i mean they were very friendly uh, i you know it, it, we weren't like all like hanging out and having sushi together <laughs> we, we we would we would meet up and we were all on on we knew each other and we would talk and friendly and you know there's members of the band who still work with those guys to this day and then they're they're all really amazing people but um yeah they were they were very kind and very and there was a lot of advice and there was a lot of really great um interaction inspiration you know a lot of people like that too and it wasn't just i mean the radiohead has talked about a lot and that's amazing and uh, but there was a lot of great artists that were that were inspiring at the time you know we would hang out with just a whole variety of all these different artists and you know we would you would it was a really cool period because you could go and be playing and hang out with the smashing pumpkins and then you'd go hang out with counting crows and then you'd hang out and these were just like amazing things you know amazing situations yeah. We'd played with Weezer for a long time, and you know these are just all really. Cool. I have nothing but very positive um, reflections on that period. And what an amazing era! And, and just to kind of be in those scenes, you know, I mean, all the bands mm-hmm. that you name is just, you know, just an incredible time for for rock music. It was great. There was like My Bloody Valentine was out, and then Nirvana. I mean, there was just so much amazing, interesting stuff. It was really cool. Well, I do want to ask about a few of these songs because you know there there are classics yeah, on this yeah. record. Prophecy sounds as good today as it always did. That became like a, a minor single. It, I, I feel like it should have been, you know, quite a bit bigger than it did. I think they were shocked that it even did as well as it did. <laughs> I think once it started getting, it started coming out, they were like, "Oh, but this is actually doing well." What's the uh, story behind that song? Well, that was one that I had um, both lyrically and melodically. I was just pacing the streets in L.A. We had just gotten there. And uh, that was one of the, you know, songs come about in so many different ways. There was this this part that a guitar player was working on that he just was writing. And one night while he was at the studio, I was just totally on the other side of uh, Hollywood, just pacing around. And I knew no one in the city. And th- that's another that's another moment I remember, you know, I haven't thought about in a long time. But where I was just walking around and the, lyrically, the whole thing just came to me. And I just was writing the whole thing. Now, without melody or out anything, but I just wrote the lyrics really fast. And uh, as soon as I got back to the studio, I, you know, Jeff had this whole song ready to go. And so I thought, well, I might as well try to see if I can make this fit, you know. 
And it just it just came about in a magical way. And it's really interesting. You know, I haven't even thought about that in so long. Just that word, even prophecy. There was a an interview you did around that time with MTV, and and I think they were asking about the name Remy Zero, and you said, you know, it's a prophet on a quest to find what's real. Uh, of course, then you said it'll take two or three albums nice. to kill him off. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> talk about being prophetic right yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was always a prophet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that all... I should have prophesied a bigger bank account. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> as long as I'm prophesied. That's real funny. Yeah, they, they also they, they kept referring to you guys as a, cl- a glam rock band, and, and maybe that's what we were perceiving glam rock at the time in the late 90s, but I don't know. It's yeah. Not exactly how I always heard you myself. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's just titles that critics put on bands all the time, and I, I get that. But was there ever sort of, I don't know if struggle is the right word, but sort of that, you know, that push to figure out what your image was uh, in all of that? No, clearly. If you've seen those photos, you can tell we were imageless. <laughs> we were pathetic in that realm. Yeah, there was a lot of those kind of labels and stuff going around. Like, there's certain things that I got that was cool, but then certain things I just didn't understand at all. But, you know, none of that fazed me. I I never took – I'm lucky in that I'm either – I can let things go quickly or I'm just – which I think more likely is just I'm not that bright. You know, I'm not that – I'm not that deep to let something – way on my nerves so if someone said that they liked us or didn't like us or that we sounded like this or that it was not going to affect where I'm going unless it was someone that I you know personally was having an interaction with or someone wanted to write about the songs and they felt like it was this or that I didn't feel like it was my position or job to you know prove them wrong or to do any I was going I didn't want that to interfere with what I was searching for in my life and 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 that's a cool thing I think that's a very cool thing. If you can have that, you know, not everybody's able yeah. to, to kind of hold on to that. It's true. <laughs> of course, we did implode, and <laughs> so who knows? <laughs> Which maybe we'll get to here in just a moment. But uh, yeah. now, okay. now before we, uh, you know, the other bona fide classic on that record, uh, Fair. Beautiful yeah. song. Beautiful song. And, and I'll, I'll pose the same question first. Like, uh, what, what do you remember about writing writing Fair? I had written that... You know, what I distinctly remember, you know, there's aspects to a lot of these things that are kind of interpersonal that, you know, I don't know how would how you would how you would explain it. But that was that was a very important song to me. And uh, my favorite part of the whole song is the very last few lines at the very end. But I thought that was a really cool thing. You know, I remember distinctly recording vocals with Bottrell and we were at some studio and um, they were doing construction in the studio. And so this. Ceiling, so ceiling tile stuff was falling down and I was choking so I couldn't like my throat was all ripped up that was really funny I guess that's that's I haven't even thought about this and so on this is brilliant man thank you um yeah you know that's a song that um that uh uh it definitely has specific meanings and it's about a specific people in my life but um I thought it was a really I, you know I was always nervous about songs like that and about um life and rain and things like that because sometimes when I would come in with a song and it would be if it, if a song made me laugh or feel embarrassed, then I got to where I, that was probably a good thing, you know. If I if I felt like oh this is the most silliest, craziest thing on earth, if it made me feel embarrassed, then I was like okay this should be on the record probably. Or I'd play it for the guys and I'd say look what I just wrote and they'd say that's great and I'd think really I have a better one. <laughs> <laughs> you know that of course might have been forever looked 
over as a nice little album track, but still an album track. It would go on to its own infamy years later being in Garden State, which is a longer life from point A to B than a lot of songs usually get. Right. And, you know, Zach Braff is just amazing. He's such a sweet, sweet guy. I, I love when you meet people in, in Hollywood and they turn out to be every bit as, as as good as you would think they would be or would hope that they would be, you know? Uh, you know, people always have horror stories about Hollywood actors or L.A. people, but, you know, I found that there was a lot. I didn't find that to be true. I know there's the joke of that, but there was some really great people, and he's one of them. He's always been a really... And, and has put us in uh, a bunch of his movies. Mm-hmm. And he's a really cool guy. He's so funny and cool. I like him. Now, was it was it him that reached out to you about that song? Is that how it ended up in Garden State? Yes, he was. Um, he had come to a lot of our shows at the Viper Room and when we were playing for Villa Lane. He used to come to a lot of our shows out in L.A. Never know who's going to be in the crowd. <laughs> right, during the scrub era. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the yeah, that was really strange. I noticed in, in, uh, you play at the Viper Room, and there was a lot of famous people around. It was really cool. Everybody yeah. was really nice, and it was a good energy. That was a good period, you know? Good, everybody was down to earth. Or been... I was really high. <laughs> <laughs> That'll help. <laughs> we were all on the same plane. That's, yeah, it could be column A, column B. <laughs> <laughs> ben Montench, Heartbreakers. Is he on this record? Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he is, actually. I forgot about that. He's awesome. Yeah, wow. He played on Goodbye Little World, I think. I mean, to have a heartbreaker on your record, that's that's not bad. Yeah, that's, yeah it's amazing. I mean, there's just so many different songs. Yeah, he's on a couple of Yeah, that was amazing. And see, that's why. It was just a good energy. A heartbreaker on a record, man. That's a guaranteed... <laughs> well, again, it's it's a record that that completely stands up, you know, the the way I hear it, and it's been a lot of fun to, for me to listen to again, you know, just kind of. That is very kind. You know, I'm gonna go listen to it now. You you really inspired me. <laughs> I haven't heard it in ages. Really, it's true. I've never listened to my own music back, but I think I'm gonna listen to it now. Yeah, I'm I'm glad. Um, so, um, <laughs> but, you know, and and of course, you know, while we're here, you know, I, I want to bring up the the other big one for you guys because I know it doesn't fit into our timeline but since we're on the phone right Mm -hmm. now you know you you take a song like save me it goes on to be in in smallville and you know has this 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 influence you know uh, on its own it feels like i don't know does it feel like that's sort of something that lives in a different atmosphere when it happens like that you know that that becomes a theme song for a big show does that feel Uh yeah it does have a different quality to it i not a bad quality that's not i liked it i thought it was really interesting i I thought anyway that music could be disseminated and good, you know, out there is great. I know there was a lot of issues going around that period of time where people would think, you know, is it cool to do this and cool to do that? But and especially, you know, especially because of that, there was a lot of people who were the anti-commercialization of that thing. And I could care less about that. I thought that was magic. And so I thought it was really cool. It was a really good thing to have, you know. I mean, the association. But yeah, with... it definitely gives it a different color, you know. Right. It, gives it, a, it definitely resides in its own little universe. I mean, the, the association people have, you know, with movies and songs and, and the way they put together, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's all my favorite stuff. Visual and, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's beautiful. You all were in the show, too, weren't you? Did you make an appearance in the show? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we were, <laughs> yeah, we were 
That was our acting debut. Thank you very much. <laughs> it was the scene where um, Marlon Brando was. Wa- oh wait, that's a different movie. Yeah. We were the house band. <laughs> no, we were uh, we were the house band at some at the uh, it's the end of season one, and it was really cool, and people were nice. It was fun, yeah. and uh, Smallville has recently returned to the news, so which is interesting, or at least some of the actors and actresses have. This is the bad one, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgotten about on. that as we're talking about it, so it's all coming back. This is the uh, the ring and everything. That's yeah, no, I kind of missed that. So mm. well, there's an association. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah, like I didn't know that that was weird, and then it all just kind of came out in the news. Now people are in jail over it and stuff. Yeah. No, but it was surreal because I look back on that time. You know, those these things are brief because we actually were there one day, filmed what we had to film, and flew out that night and played on David Letterman later. You know, I mean, so you were there. We hung out with the guys, and they were all very nice. And we met everyone. They were all so kind. They're really good people. Yeah. And um, we flew to we flew from Canada to New York and played on David Letterman later on. It was cool. <laughs> yeah, nonstop when you're you know at that kind of height, right? You know, it's nice though because you right. know as, as I hear you talking, it sounds like you've had a career surrounded by good people for the most part. You know, is is what I can guess and everything. Yeah, and that's what's really made it lovely. At least is that. It was like growing up with a unique group of people, and those people brought in their friends, and they were good people, you know. And if you start with a good center, things just kind of blossom out. And we had, all had a really good time, you know. We we all got to be together, and you know, I was with my brother, I was with my best friends. It was just really good. And then you know, the people who came into our atmosphere were part and parcel of it. It just felt great. Well, it made for some uh, really, really fine music, and I, I appreciate you talking thank you. to me about all that. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah. So what, what happens next for you? I mean, is there anything specific in the works that uh, we can look forward to? Yes, um, there is a lot coming up. Uh, I recently had uh, come to... <laughs> a face-to-face, to-the-river moment with my own mortality. And uh, now that that's been resolved, I kind of have a a whole new batch of songs that I'm doing. And, uh, yeah, I feel really inspired. You know, I I definitely foresee Remy Zero coming down the pipeline and uh, more of projects, too, with other people. Excited, very excited. Man, that is really exciting. I I, I do want to ask specifically, and and you don't have to, but but what we're talking about is cancer, right? Yeah, cancer, brutal. Brutal, brutal cancer, and uh, then lots of chemo and, and radiation, and then surgeries and more surgeries, and then it's been chaos. And then, you know, combined with my other issues, you know, all together, I had to do a lot of kind of cleansing and soul searching. We came, I came, yeah, there was some, it came real close. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was big time cancer. <laughs> Just it was just brutal, you know. I still got and the chemo and the radiation alone just ate me up inside. And at the same time, I found out I was having a baby. And you know, my it was the day. It was the day I found out I had cancer. It was the day my wife came up and said, "Well, since you've gotten that news, I should tell you, you're having a child." Wow. And I was like, "What is going on?" And then, it, but it's beautiful because you know I have this amazing, beautiful, perfect little monkey man. I love him more than the sun and the moon. His name is Atticus Arrow Lucian Tate, and he's like just the greatest smile in the world. And uh, and my wife is perfect, and I have this really great new synergy. And, you know, going through all this, again, has uh, actually gotten me back 
reconnected with the, the guys in the band and with my center and my mind again because, you know, it takes you to these weird places. But it, it's cool because I feel as um, confused and excited as I did when I was younger, like like when I was in the Villa Elaine era because everything seems like it's the first time I'm doing it because everything seems just everything I'm doing is different because it's done with a different mindset and I'm equally as nervous and excited for everything so I think there's going to be a lot of beautiful things coming up well I'm so happy to hear that you made it to the other side of all this and uh yeah I'm shocked (laughs) I didn't know how it was going to happen it was definitely kind of like well check you know he's he's leaving soon (laughs) But it turned out really good. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm grateful for you too, and 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 to hear that you know, it's it's putting music on the table uh, again. That's that's great news. Congratulations. I mean, congratulations. Whatever for whatever that means on 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 you know making it through on the health and and the baby and 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 everything that you got going for Thank you right you. now. Oh, it's magic. It's, it totally you know helped me de- detox. You know, because I was a troubled you know drinker slash whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, it's just helped me clear. I got my head clear again and everything. And, um, and you know, it's just great. I'm really happy about everything. And, you know, speaking about the, the album, it's funny because a lot of the a lot of the lyrics for a lot of those songs and have, have kind of been in my head a lot recently, even during that period, because I would hear songs that, or lyrics that my brother had written or I had written or just songs that would kind of, kind of did prophesy certain things that were going to happen in my life and I always felt like I was I was destined to to go through certain trials you know but in a good way but in a real positive way you know so I'm excited the prophet strikes again Remy Zero yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go bless my booty soul Sinjin, um, thank, you right. so well, thank you so yeah. much it's, yeah. oh, it's been very kind thank yeah, you so it's, much. it's been awesome uh, let us know you know when when we can talk again when the music's around uh, I can't wait to hear what's in store I will thank you so much it's been really cool talking to you I am going to go back and listen to the record uh-huh. so if I call you back later on tonight and say like that's all was- <laughs> um, but definitely let's keep in touch and you have a great day you too man take care <laughs> see you brother bye Hey, thanks to Senjin Tate for giving me the call there. Remy Zero, Villa Elaine, celebrating its 20th anniversary. I do recommend that you go listen to the album as well right now. Uh, But not before you hit the subscribe button. Uh, Whether you're listening on YouTube or you're checking out the podcast on iTunes or Podchaser or wherever you're listening from, uh, hit that subscribe button, give the series a rating, and then leave a review as well. After that, you can head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern and where you'll find bonus episodes of this series. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.